0: The Chicago Bears are expecting a lot from Darnell Wright to come in as a rookie and start at right tackle from the moment he walks in the door. But fortunately, Darnell Wright is used to high expectations and high pressure throughout his football career.
1: You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network,
0: your team every day. Thanks for making Locked on Bears your first listen today. We're part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And we really appreciate you everydayers tuning in five days a week for Locked on Bears. On the show today, we're going to reach out to our Locked on Podcast Network friends. And we're going to be joined by Eric Kane from Locked on Vols, the Locked on Tennessee Volunteers podcast to get our local expert on the Bears first round draft pick. We're going to talk about Darnell Wright's rise through the NFL draft process, all the way up to be a top 10 pick in this year's class for the Chicago Bears. We'll talk about his rise at Tennessee, coming in as a highly, highly recruited player there with super lofty expectations, who got thrown into the fire pretty early on in his career and had to make do and eventually grow into a bigger and better role. Goes through a coaching staff change, a lot of turmoil at Tennessee, but ultimately thrives at both left and right tackle late in his college career. So we're really going to get to know Wright's trajectory through college, what he was asked to do at Tennessee, and how that then projects for him heading into the NFL. There's a lot to get through with Eric from Locked On Vols. And at the end, I want to come back and also circle back around to what the Bears assistant general manager Ian Cunningham said before the draft about the offensive tackle position. So let's jump right in. Joining us now on the Locked On Bears podcast is Eric Kane. He's the host of Locked On Volunteers here on the Locked On Podcast Network, the Locked On Vols, and he also covers Tennessee Vols for VolQuest.com, part of the On3 network. Eric, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, how was how was your draft weekend from a Tennessee perspective?
1: It was fun, man. Uh, it was good to see a lot of the guys come off the board. Uh, five draft picks in the first three rounds, the first, you know, top 76 picks, I believe. It's really, really good for the program, good for Josh Heupel, a top 10 pick who we're going to talk about here today. So, it was a really good weekend.
0: Yeah, let's let's talk about Darnell Wright. I guess first of all, were you were you surprised that he goes top ten? It was interesting in this draft process. Like it, it felt like early on, from like from like the media side, you know, talked about it's one of the later offensive tackles. So it's a first round guy for sure. But I don't. Know, yeah. Did you did you feel this like this idea of him rising to the top ten, or did you feel like this was where he was going to end up all
1: along? A little bit of both. If I could speak out of both sides of my mouth here, <laughs> I, I thought that he would be a mid to late teens guy. Knew he'd be a first-round pick. I thought he'd be anywhere between the third or the fourth offensive tackle selected in this draft. Now, knowing that he did have a connection with the Chicago Bears, knowing that they had representatives down in Mobile for the Senior Bowl and knowing that they had a private workout with him and all that type of stuff, I knew that the Bears could go off of the tackle, and I knew that Darnell Wright was a guy that they coveted you know, greatly. So I wasn't ruling it out, but when they did pick Darnell Wright, I guess I was a little surprised. was not anticipating Darnell Wright being a top-ten pick I think it's great for him though, and it's um, it's it's kind of you just it takes one team to fall in love with you, and this is kind of a perfect example. So I was expecting him to go, you know, Steelers seventeen. Uh, you know, I, I know you know Patriots were looking for an offensive tackle, the New York Jets may be looking for an offensive tackle. You know, somewhere around in that range, but the fact that he went top ten, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, he's always been a guy who's been coveted. You know, coming out of high school, going into Tennessee, a five star recruit, one of the top recruits in the nation. What do you remember about? that recruitment process and just like his expectations coming to campus.
1: Yeah. So that was back when Tennessee was under the Jeremy Pruitt regime, a whole new coaching staff and everything. And, and they brought in a really great class that year. Not only was Darnell Wright uh, a, a bookend five-star tackle in that class, but also Wanya Morris, who went in the third round uh, to the um, to, to the Chiefs. And he started Tennessee career and then left and went to Oklahoma. So I remember it very well. And those the expectations laid on those two guys were uh, very, very big from the get-go. And, and you don't necessarily want a, you know, at the time he was 17 years old, he's a young guy. And you know, he's only gonna be 22 years of age during training camp, Darnell Wright, and he's played over 40 plus starts in the SEC. He was a young guy, he was 17 when he got to Tennessee, and he didn't want to put all that pressure on a guy like him and Wanya Morris, but just where Tennessee was in the rebuild at that point in time, they had to. They were their best options and Ah, uh, they started every single game at tackles for Tennessee, and um, you know that that freshman season, if my memory serves me correct. And you know the thing about Darnell was he was not an early enrollee, so he got here in June as a true freshman. First time he went through a you know a real strength conditioning program, learning an offense, and all that. Went through fall camp, and and then he was out there for snap number one, play number one. That was. It's pretty incredible now that I sit back there and think about that. But he, I think he was in survival mode much of early on in his career, and then I think as a junior when Josh Heupel got here and, and Glenn Ellerby got here, really took his game to the next level, and he's the guy that we know today. But it was a big deal when Darnell Wright and Wanya Morris were both coming in. They were just kind of the package deal, and they weren't a package deal, but you couldn't refer to one without the other. But it was very much a big deal back in the 2018 recruiting class coming into Tennessee. A lot of people were super excited to see him.
0: How did things change when the coaching staff changed, not only for Wright, but just offensively as well? Like what, what was so different and why do you think things seem to get better for Wright after that point?
1: Well, it was a different change in uh, philosophy on the offensive line. Um, it was more, you know, going away from a ground and pound. Uh, let's, let's move this 300-pound guy, get him to the second level, go get a linebacker uh, to, to more of a let's open up vertical rushing lanes. Let's spread some things out a little bit. Obviously the tempo was big and he's such a, a tremendous athlete. Holding that weight at 335 pounds or so at six foot five and um, you know able to play at that tempo is really incredible and play at the level that he did. So I mean sure it was a little bit of a change in philosophy. And doesn't mean that he wouldn't have excelled in that other philosophy. It was just he was young in his career and he was still learning and it was very much survival at that point in time. But and I don't know if you've heard this about Darnell Wright yet, but Darnell Wright is very how should I put this? He doesn't trust many, and so when you get the when you gain the trust of Darnell Wright, like Glenn Ellerby did when he came in with Josh Heupel, he will go all in for you for that coach for whatever, and he will completely sell himself and, and buy in, and the investment will be there. Not to say that he wouldn't invest anyway or anywhere else, but it takes a while to gain his trust. He gained the trust of, of, of you know Glenn Ellerby early on, and those two it was just a perfect marriage. Uh, For two seasons at Tennessee, he got the best out of Darnell Wright. Knew what buttons to press. Um, You know, Flipped him over to the left side as a junior because, number one, he was capable. Number two, Tennessee didn't have anybody else to play left tackle. And he played it really, really well. And then you put him back at his natural side on the right side as a senior. And I was one of those guys questioning that. I was like, why do you want to move this guy? He He was phenomenal on the left side as a junior for Tennessee. But you flip him back over to the right side and he was like an all pro level. I mean, he was, he was truly incredible. So I just think that the buy-in from Glenn Ellerby or the buy-in to Glenn Ellerby, the offensive line coach for Tennessee, um, he got the most out of Darnell Wright and made him the player that he is today.
0: The locked on bears podcast is brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sports book. It's your number one place for all of the NBA playoff action right now. But of course you can always bet on football year round with FanDuel. Right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back to you in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. You can bet now on Matt Eberflus as the third highest odds for coach of the year. You can bet on Justin Fields' MVP odds. You can bet where the Chicago Bears will finish in the NFC North. Right now, they are third favorites to finish in first place, plus all of your other sports betting needs on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA and NFL. Where where does that trust thing stem from? Like like what what gives you, like how, how do we get that impression of, of him? Like were there examples of him maybe not having that that full trust in other ways or how how did that sort of come out
1: like again I'm not trying to say that he never had off the field issues sure. he was never a guy that got in trouble um he is not a bad kid he's a good kid I just think that it was he was just so young um and, and everybody's young when they come in as freshmen. I get that but you know he was on the early you know side of that cycle there and coming in at 17 years old and just being thrusted into the fire and um there there were so many not for him specifically because he had Will Friend both of those years under Jeremy Pruitt but um, there were so many different coaching changes at Tennessee throughout that time. Jeremy Pruitt can never keep a consistent assistant coaching pool. Um, you know, there was this, that, of course, how it ended with with the uh, recruiting violations and firing Jeremy Pruitt for cause and all that type of stuff. And Tennessee was a national disgrace. I don't know. I just think all, all that you know for a young guy is a lot to handle, and and not just a guy going into college, but a guy that's out there on the field you know playing 70 80 snaps a game you know for the University of Tennessee in the Southeastern Conference i just think that you know maybe that was that that was a lot so i just think throughout that whole experience a little bit you know darnell was you know kind of kept to himself a little bit and and didn't trust many didn't take long to gain the trust of those two guys and obviously once once that happened he just he took off
0: when you watched him at his best like how much of that was him being you know 6 foot five, six six 66 or whatever 330 plus pounds just being Bigger, stronger, and honestly, like more agile. I mean, he moves really well for his size. Like, how much of his success in college do you think was just was based on his physical traits of being bigger and faster than a lot of the guys he was going up against? You know, versus coming to the NFL when everyone is big and fast and strong.
1: Yeah. Well, early on, uh, again, when he was in that survival mode, I keep saying that my <laughs> muscle well trade market. Yeah. Um, he was relying on just that that raw athleticism, just bigger um you know big hands let me get my hands on you and just shove you out of the way uh let me just move you out of this spot he was relying on that early on but as he got older and as he was you know especially his second year in this recent system with Josh Heupel and he just learned the techniques learned the proper footwork learned um how I'm going to block a guy like maybe um you know understanding like Jalen Carter's more on the interior and everything but you know they bump out sometimes how I'm going to take on a guy like a Jalen Carter And then how I'm going to take on a guy like B. Joe Jolari. And then how I'm going to take on a guy like Will Anderson Jr. If you remember, Darnell Wright had an incredible answer at uh, the NFL Combine back in March. They asked him about how he goes about preparing to block some of the best edge guys in the country. And he gave like a 65-70 second answer. And he went into detail about, you know, how Will Anderson Jr., um, is the best in the country with speed and, and you know has his hands and footwork and all that type of stuff, and how it's completely different than blocking a guy like BGO Jalari, who I believe went in the second round from LSU, and he's more of a finesse guy. He's not as strong, but he's quick, and, and he just went into detail about the differences of blocking that guy to that guy, and that just showed me, man, like this guy knows how to play tackle. This guy knows the expectations. He puts in the work. He can talk ball and he's invested in himself to become a better all-around offensive tackle and so i think early on he was relying just on on himself and just the strength and athleticism but he learned how to play tackle as his college career went on and that propelled him into a top 10 pick what was the tennessee offense asking him to do in terms of like in the
0: passing game i know they're more of like a up-tempo kind of spread offense like how much of that was like fairly quick you know you just got to set quick and make sure no one gets their you know, quickly, and how often was the Tennessee quarterback, like, holding on to the ball for particularly long or relying on the tackles to have to hold up and pass protection? Like, what was this, I guess, the, the level of difficulty of assignment, not in terms of the players he was going against, but in terms of, like, what they were asking their tackles to have to do?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's all there's this big misconception uh, surrounding Josh Hopple's you know offensive scheme, and I think that's going to be there you know until maybe Hinton Hooker you know takes that job and and goes off and makes a name for himself in the NFL. Maybe that stigma's going to be there. You know, Drew Locke, he was a high draft pick, didn't really last that long. I mean, he's still in the league, but didn't really last as a QB one and all that. So I think until maybe a quarterback or maybe I and mean, there's plenty of Josh Hopple receivers that are out there doing some things right now. <laughs> you know, Chicago's got one right yeah. now, um, but I, I I think that. If you come from Tennessee or you come from Josh Hopper, you get this rep of, you know, air raid, west coast, just, you know, it doesn't read, doesn't doesn't work through progressions. And and I just, I feel like that couldn't be farther from the truth. Um, Sure. I mean, I'm there. I cover the team. I watch, you know, every play twice. I go back and watch it and all that for all my work. But um, sure, there are some, you know, simple, you know, one read, you know, get the ball out of hands quickly. But I mean, there's so many different times where it's five-step drop you know hindenhooker sitting back there whoever it is and, and scanning working his progression throughout the field so as a tackle obviously you got to protect that and he's had experience doing that on the left side on the right side um more so than anything and he you know didn't allow a sack as a senior i think he didn't allow a sack in like 20 plus games of his last you know college career so yeah i mean there's there's parts of this offense where it's you know get snap you know throw go quickly but that's not all of it, and you got to be able to protect the quarterback either way. And, and Darnell Wright was able to do that.
0: What, what about the running game? How often are they going downhill versus trying to get the Tennessee backs flowing side of the sideline? Like, how much did Wright have to, you know, get out on his horse a little bit and get out in space versus just more like in a phone booth trying to move somebody downfield?
1: That right there is the biggest misconception about the Josh Heupel offense. What if I told you that Tennessee led the nation in rushing touchdowns last year? Would you believe me? Really?
0: I yeah, led well, the nation
1: led the nation in rushing touchdowns last year tennessee was the only team in the country that averaged over 300 yards passing and over 200 yards rushing a game wow and two years at josh heupel two years with josh hobble tennessee his offenses his offenses has averaged over 200 yards rushing a game people just don't think that tennessee's offense runs the ball but they absolutely do they create vertical run lanes they can get out in space a little bit but they'll run it between the tackles. In this offense, Darnell Wright as a tackle and even some of the guards, they pull and they kick out an awful lot. So he has been a lot. He's got a lot of experience of moving a five technique out and you know having an H back take on that backer and try to spring it that way. He has experience coming over and kicking out the end man on the line of scrimmage. You do a little bit of everything in running the football with Josh Heupel's offense. So he's got experience, you know, man on man on going to the second level, you know, pulling, kicking out, leading up on a corner or a safety. He's done a little bit of everything.
0: Excellent. I know Chicago Bears fans are really excited about having Darnell Wright in Chicago. Eric, really appreciate you joining us on the podcast today. Let everybody know a little bit more if they want to go find more of your work on the volunteers and past stuff you've done on Darnell Wright. Where, Where can they find your stuff online?
1: Yeah, I appreciate being here. It's, it's been a whole lot of fun. Uh, and at this rate, maybe there'll be another Tennessee volunteer in Chicago next year. Yeah. So we'll talk again. <laughs> but if you want to find more of my work on Darnell Wright Right, anything Tennessee Vols related, if you have that inkling, uh, check out Locked On Vols, uh, Locked On Podcast Network. And of course, find my work at VolQuest.com and on Twitter at underscore Kaner.
0: Eric, thanks so much for doing it. And I'm sure yeah, 12 months from now, the next Bears volunteer <laughs> draft pick will have you back on. Sounds good, man. Thank you. Thanks again to Eric Kane for joining us on the podcast today, but that doesn't bring us to the end of our Darnell Wright conversation just yet, because talking to him and, and kind of going back through this, looking back on the pre-draft process, it reminded me of how the Chicago Bears talked about the offensive tackle position leading up to this draft. And, and a few things stood out about that. Like Also, what we learned about Darnell Wright during the draft and after the draft in terms of... The connection he seemed to form with Bears offensive line coach Chris Morgan, that really stood out to me when Eric was talking to us just now about trust and how Darnell Wright sometimes takes a little while to grow with that trust and really form that that bond in that way with coaches. And it seems like he connected so quickly and right away with Chris Morgan that that seems to bode very, very well for, like, as Eric said, it wasn't like a concern about, you know, like an off-field or a character thing with Wright. But just, you know, based on the experiences he's been through, you wondered— Another big transition like this to the NFL, if there might be a learning curve there or just an adjustment to get used to a new coaching staff and all that. But I think it really helps having been coached by Luke Getzi at the Senior Bowl during this process and then him forming that connection with Chris Morgan during the pre-draft meeting and that sort of process. Seems like that will accelerate his fit and comfort level with the Chicago Bears. But I also went back and listened to Chicago Bears assistant general manager Ian Cunningham we played part of his press conference right before the draft here on the lockdown bears podcast. And one of the questions he answered was about the offensive tackle position in particular. And he was asked what he and the bears front office really look for at that spot. And typically, right. You might expect a fairly generic answer. Yeah. Of course, like they're always looking for good players at every position and you know, the the sort of common traits maybe that a lot of offensive tackles might have as to maybe not give away where their preferences might be at that position. But I want you to listen to this again now and hear how this, this quote came before the Bears made their draft pick, a day or two before the draft, and yet Ian Cunningham describing the offensive tackle position, it's like he's talking about Darnell Wright here specifically, even though not what the question was. Yeah, what value most good. in an offensive tackle prospect, whether it's traits or, or things that, that you're attracted
1: to in that position? Yeah, I think first you can say the size and athleticism um, and how his competitive spirit, how he plays uh, down in, down out. I think growing up in Baltimore, we had some really good players there and, and really good tackles. That's kind of where I cut my teeth and kind of learned how to evaluate and uh a lot of those guys, which we played with there, were kind of cut from that similar cloth.
0: Size, athleticism, and competitive spirit describe Darnell Wright better than anyone else at the top of this draft class at the offensive tackle position. Right, Peter Skronsky doesn't quite have have the size there, and from what we knew about Paris Johnson and Broderick Jones, they didn't quite have the same competitive spirit in that regard. Like Darnell Wright of the of the tackles was clearly like the the meanest most physical sort of like butt kicker mauler at the offensive tackle position. Like that's him through and through. And this isn't me saying, Oh, we should have known. Uh, we, you know, if you, we should have known that that's what Cunningham was talking about. But it, it seems to me like in, in hindsight with retrospect, that felt like a, not well, not that it wasn't intentionally a hint, but maybe we should have seen it coming more. Or maybe it, it just tracks of like, yeah, Darnell Wright is exactly what the bears are. And we're looking for at that offensive tackle position. And I think, Hearing from Eric earlier on in this podcast episode, like hammers at home a little bit too, like how excited we can be about this prospect, that it feels like there's still a lot of potential for Wright to grow into, but also a high enough floor that he can enter in right away and still play at a high level from the very get-go of his rookie season. He completes a young Bears offensive line, mostly young, uh, offensive line getting younger, still a little bit old at center. But you know it feels like you got some of these longer term foundational pieces here, like Wright should be a starter for the next five seasons. Nate Davis is under contract for three years. He should be a plug-and-play starter there. Tevin Jenkins has a couple more years left on his rookie deal. He should be a starter. And, of course, Braxton Jones just entering his second season. Like, you've got pieces in place for that group to really kind of grow together and build that chemistry over time in some of the ways that, you know, Ian Cunningham was talking about with the Ravens, right, where they get these players in and they're able to just sort of grow and learn together and build that year after year after year chemistry and that muscle memory and just knowing each other, that cohesion, as opposed to it's felt like the last, feels like the last five years or whatever, the Bears are just constantly turning over new starters on the offensive line and trying to plug and play new guys in there at all times. It feels like there should be a little bit more stability and consistency here from year to year moving forward. Really appreciate Eric Kane from Lockdown Vols for joining us on the podcast today. Really learned a lot about Darnell Wright from someone who's there covering the the Tennessee Volunteers each and every day. If you enjoyed our conversation, make sure you hit the subscribe button on the Lockdown Bears podcast or on our YouTube channel or both. That's going to be the best way to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You're going to want to come back tomorrow as we keep this theme going. We'll be joined by Brandon Olson, the host of Locked on Gators, a good friend of mine here on the Podcast Network, to learn more about Jervon Dexter in a lot of the same ways. Someone who's covering the Florida Gators and has seen Dexter throughout his college career can give us some of these similar types of insights about the next Chicago Bears draft pick. We're going to do the same for a lot of the other picks through this draft. Zach Pickens from South Carolina, Locked on Gamecocks, we've got... Locked on Cincinnati Bearcats, locked on Texas Longhorns, and more coming over the course of the next days and weeks here in the podcast. So keep tuning back into Lockdown Bears. Make us your first listen each and every single day. If you're looking for your second listen, today you can check out the Lockdown NFL podcast I filled in for Tony Wiggins, hosting with James Rapine here. We talked about fifth-year options across the NFL if you want the league-wide talk. talked about how the Jordan Love contract extension for the Packers is super weird. And not that we made fun of them, but we looked at how that's a weird situation that doesn't quite it doesn't quite look like a vote of confidence, if you ask me. But then we talked about some of the other players who had their fifth year's options accepted or declined. And we also looked at some of the best fits from the NFL draft and teams that got the best players that fit on their team, not just in the first round, but throughout the draft. So if you want some more Locked On podcast football in your ears, go check out Locked On NFL where I filled in today. Come on back tomorrow for another episode of Locked On Bears. And another opportunity for you to bear down.